0: Good morning. I'm Peggy. I'm reading from Malachi 2, verses 10 through 16. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughters of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Judah any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it, accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord has witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God is Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. This is the word of our Lord.
1: All right. Thank you, Peggy. Good morning. My name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. If uh, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, um, first I just want to say, let you know I have a stutter. It'll kind of come in and out as, as I go. And um, I, I also just want to say we're going to dive right into it this morning. We're back in Malachi, which has been intense. And um, again, if, if you're new, um, this we just, we believe that God's word is profitable and that we submit to Him and to what He says to us, and it's not always easy. So I'll say a bit more about that in a a second. But but before I forget, if you have a copy of God's word with you, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. And if you don't have one, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and we will get one to you, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's word, a Bible to follow along with. And if you don't own one, this is our gift to you. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, leva su mano y diga español. Y si no... Tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en capítulo 2. And uh, as we get into it, I want to give a couple of things just kind of right out of the gates there. You probably saw during the scripture r- r- reading, this is a weighty word. In fact, all of Malachi has been called um, a burdensome message from the Lord that's kind of right there in the first verse what it what we're told it is and especially this week I just candidly feel the burden on behalf of our church and um, even presenting or giving this message there's a level of burden. And, and again, I want to say a few things um, out of the gates. Even if you heard it there read, one, um, those of you who are not married, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything, but you know, or a, a younger congregation and different folks, um, it's still for you, okay? And we'll talk about that, that in our kind of individualistic day, we tend to not understand things in the communal idea or purposes that God gives. And so marriage has to do with everyone, okay? Whether you're married now, you were married, you will one day mar- be married, you might never be married. Marriage is still a, a, com- a communal component, though there is an emphasis on, on husband and wife here. I, I want to make sure that we understand that part. Also, um, for those of you who this is going to be especially burdensome or difficult in that you maybe grew up in a divorced home or you're walking through divorce or faithlessness um, in some way or, 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 or abuse in some different form, which we'll talk about. Um, my, my, I just wanna let you know kinda out of the gates that God is good, that um, that, that that my hope is that, that somehow through this time in his word, he will reveal his goodness and his presence and hope in him. And, um, also, now who is it for? Um, specifically, it's for men. Okay, it's for all of us, but the, the emphasis here, and we'll get to very in, in verse 16, is a burdensome message to men who are behaving treacherously. Okay, and so men, if you can l- l- look at me, if you're not married, let this be a warning. Okay, let this be a, a call out and a set to what it means to be called into uh, the role as a husband. And then husbands in here, um, I'm going to ask you this out of the gates. Stay with me, please. Okay, It's not going to be fun. And um, my, my prayer even now as we, as we pray is that the Spirit will give us soft hearts. And if you want to tune out or tune... Mm, me out. I'm asking you to hang in there, okay, and then um, and, and see that God will shape us and ultimately lead us to himself through, through his word. So here's what we'll see. This is kind of how you have it broken down here. Is This is how we're going to walk through it. We're going to start out with the good, okay? So there will be some of that, okay? The beauty of marriage, the tragedy of faithlessness, and then the call for repentance. So with that, let's pray together. Lord, um we do believe or we sing uh, Jesus is better. And as we just said, um, help my unbelief and um, make my heart believe. And then corporately, we ask, make our hearts believe. Lord, you can do a work that we cannot do. If there are hardened hearts here, whether it's from sin committed against us or just um, our own desire to make things about ourselves, Lord, we pray that you would break through, that you would penetrate this room, Lord, to penetrate our hearts, penetrate our lives. Lord, um, make new what has been broken. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, again, right out of the gates, the beauty of marriage. Chapter 2 of Malachi, verse 10. Okay, so before we get into the bad, right, the treachery, the the brokenness, and why does God feel so strongly about it? Hear me now, okay? When things are used or words are used like God hates, it needs to be understood in an assault or an affront on what he loves. Okay, and this is kind of the big idea that we'll see here this morning, is what God hates is the violence that is committed against the marriage that he loves. Okay, and why does he lo- love it? Again, in verse 10, have we not all one Father? Has not God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of? our fathers. And this is the covenant of marriage specifically talked about. And it's because God saying that we have one father is we have one creator, creator of heaven and earth with a design and a purpose in everything he did. Okay. Okay. Hear me now. Nothing that God has done is intention, is unintentional or flippant or matter of fact. It's like, I don't really care about that part. Right everything. He's intentional. He's creative. And in, in, in specifically, as we look at marriage, God has design and purpose and intentionality. Okay? And even again, that language there of one father, we have all one father. Again, there's a communal reality to marriage okay, that this is talking to. It's not just about husband and wife here, but there's, God gave marriage between husband and wife, and I was actually talking to someone earlier this week about weddings, and and often, right, we talk about when God said it's not good, and, and we think of it through the lens of just for the husband, right? Like, poor, lonely husband, God's like, it's not good, oh, I should give you a helper. And, and it is that, but it's more. We often say this, this phrase, it's not less than that, it's more than that. And it's not good for creation, all right, that God's design for, for how the world would flourish, there is a part of that, a component of that, is husband and wife together, and, and, and that he called together to be, to be one, all right? And so God's purpose is that there is a, there is a communal reality here. So again, hear me now. If you're single... Right now, if you're single, hoping to be married; single, hoping to never be married; um, you're you're formerly married; you're you're from um, like the LGBTQ commun- community, or have same-sex attraction, and, and consider what does it look like to be a part of the the church and, and, and all this talk about marriage. What if that's not God's design or his, my part of my story? Um, Marriage and your relationship within the community of God's people, um, including marriage, is, is, is from God. One Father, and it's good. Okay, look with me in verse 15 as we can continue to unpack how or why it's good. In verse 15, it says, Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? Okay, there's a, a mystery there in marriage, of becoming one, right? Two that are separate, that are, that are on their own, that are individuals, individual path, individual trajectory, individual identity, and then somehow in God's mystery, he calls two to become one, all right? And there's a lot I'm not going to dive into now, but a lot of assumption that, that I believe in God's, in God's, um, and his design, and as he gives us in scripture, that when he calls people to be married, it's one man and one woman unified together, becoming one. One flesh, one, one spirit um, to, together. And, 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 and he says they're a portion of the same spirit. And that's the craziness. Okay, Again, for all of us here that are married, sometimes when often our, our, our prayer, when we're like, in it, we're about to go at it, we're, or we've already been arguing, fighting, and, and sometimes the prayer is just an acknowledgement of, God, somehow we have, right now it feels like we're at odds. We couldn't be further from oneness right now, but but we both have your same spirit, not just separately here, like I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit, but together we uh, share the, the a, a portion of the same spirit, and that's that's beautiful. And then Down, it says, um, God says, I was seeking godly offspring. Again, I'm not going to get into that, but that includes biological children. It includes foster or uh, adoption care. It also includes, um, again, the broader community of 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 God's people that there are so many in this church that I can see that I'm thinking of that when God calls families together, it often includes not just biology, but 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 God's people, God's family proximity, people who become like aunts and uncles. Our kids have lots of aunts and uncles who are really close, who are even have a stronger bond than than even blood. And so there's this beautiful picture there of legacy being shaped and the, again, the beauty and the good of marriage broader than just individual husband and wife. And then this part, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. And there, it, that phrase comes up a few times in this, in this text. And I just want to enter in with me, okay, especially those who are married right now, this idea Of the gift that is the wife of your youth. Okay, again, men, like, look with me here for a moment. I know there are some in here who have been married for 40 plus, 50 years, some maybe one, less than one, some that are um, somewhere in between, right? 10 years. Um, and, and, and the wife of your youth could be, okay, because some of you guys might be like, I'm not a youth anymore and I'm still not married. Like, there's this idea is not just age-wise, okay? Can I get some amens here? We have some young people that are not young age-wise, and this idea is when you enter into it, okay, and so you could be, you could be, um, this is talking about whether you get ma- married when you're 18, 22, you know, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, wherever it is, there's an element of coming in to some degree of, of youth, of, of immaturity. And again, men, think with me, because um, maybe we often overlook this. We don't, we don't let this sink into the beauty of no one else, stands in your corner and, and puts up with thick-headedness. No, I mean, even this, this seemingly counterproductive reality that young men, and hopefully you can see and know, I'm, I'm a man, I'm talking, so everything I'm about to say throughout the whole rest of this sermon, I'm right there. They, they, as I look back at my own life, there is an incredible amount of insecurity and pride <laughs> It somehow goes hand in hand. It's like, wow, you're really arrogant and really insecure. All right, and when, when I talk about someone in your corner, this idea came to mind for me that I tried to relive the old glory days and entered a wrestling tournament um, after I was already <laughs> married, and, you know, and, and um, I, you know, get out there and talk about insecurity, right? I'm like already married here. I'm no longer in high school. I'm wearing a singlet and, you know, it's spandex, and my wife not only was in my corner, I didn't have a coach or whatever, and she's in my corner, like she's literally physically cheering me on, and she's filming it, which we l- later got rid of, because didn't go very well. She's Filming it for me, right? Because I'm like, Oh, I want to show my kids this one day. By the way, I haven't showed them. Um, <laughs> but, like, who does that? Right? And that's not just, oh, my wife, she's awesome. Like, again, sit with me. There's a gift that's the wife of your youth. And, and as it goes this much further, I keep looking at it, call out, but I see different people here who have been married a long time. And I know none of our marriages are perfect, but the gift that one day, that same, you can't trade in the wife of your youth. All right, that one day I will hit the point when it's surely not about, right, physical or all these memories or all these things or all the vacations we take together or, you know, picking out sheets in China and whatever else it is, that one day you sit there and it's about the reality that God has transformed you and that all along the way you've had a partner, You've had someone journeying with you that at some point you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s and the wife of your youth has been a part of it all along and has been a part of the transforming work of God, the beautiful work of changing what has been broken in security into deep-seated now confidence that's again not about muscles and hair gel and whatever else it is, right? Or convertibles. But so often we take this path of seeming least resistance, we try to take the easy route to joy, to comfort, to satisfaction, to fulfillment, and it's bad. It's not good. It's not good for you, men. It's not good for the k- kids. The offspring suffer. The children suffer. It's not good for, for for our wives. Again, just think of the tragedy there. You were with me at this point, and at some point, you you're, you utilitarian role wore out and so i'm going to go now this way and i'm going to just seek something better and hear me it never is god's plan is beautiful and is good the beautiful picture of marriage is now stained and thwarted and challenged hear me is challenged by the tragedy of faithlessness so pick up with me now in verse 11 as God calls out again men, he calls out his people for, 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 for being faithless, or this word is actually treacherous. It's treacherous behavior. For being faithless or treacherous toward marriage in general, and then toward the wife of your youth in particular. So pick up with me in verse 11. Judah has been faithless. And abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. That's has taken the name of God. What God intended and planned and created to be good and beautiful and to be a reflection of himself. Has his people have taken it and have smeared it. Okay? Have 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 taken down his, his holiness. And so he says. They have um, profaned the sanctuary or the holiness of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. And what this is talking about, again, is this idea of oneness, of coming together, of, of somehow reflecting, of sharing in a portion of the same spirit of God's Holy Spirit, and, and have, 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 again, tried to take a shortcut and say, well, I'm going to flirt to convert. Right? I'm gonna hope for the best, and we're so good, we're so compatible, we're so this. Does that work out? Sometimes, can it? In God's grace and God's wisdom, sometimes He brings about good, right? That that we didn't, that we intended for evil, and He makes it work for good. But that's not a prescription, all right? That shouldn't be the the, the road map that you follow. Well, it worked out for my parents. Maybe I should do it too. It worked out for my friend or my neighbor or something like this. No, okay. God's design, God's prescription is that this isn't talking about like you know, other, other cultures or when we hear like a foreign, it's no people who don't trust and find identity and purpose in God, the one true God, but instead go looking elsewhere. And now you become one with, says that, that defames God, that defames his plan. But then as we now step in even more pointedly, God is concerned with his people in particular, men who are acting treacherously, who are being faithless in their own moon marriages, in our own moon marriages. Okay, pick up with me in verse 13. The second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Can you picture that with me? Can you picture the altar? Okay, God's place of of worship where his people come before him and I can, sadly, I see, I've seen this happen. Women who have been treated treacherously, covering God's altar with tears, with sadness, probably remembering the wedding day, remembering promises it's this idea of entering into covenant, into I, I, until death do us part. Well, death, physical death hasn't happened yet, and yet here I am. Before you, God, I've been treated treacherously. I'm heartbroken. I've been abused in different forms, and we'll get into that, but it's not just physical. Okay, whether it's abandonment, it's faithlessness in any kind, it's, it's rejecting the covenant that you've entered into. Okay, the, 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 the language used throughout, and we'll get into some different passages, but back in Exodus chapter 21 is where, where God really lays out the plan or the picture of this covenant of marriage. And what's done is there's this call to, to, to cover, all right? And, and the covering means I'm vowing, I'm promising to, to protect, to br- provide for, to nourish, this, this wife of my youth whom I'm covenanting, I'm promising throughout our lives to care for in this way. And then let, let me ask you honestly, is when God looks at how you relate with your wife, is that what he sees? I'm cut to the heart of how often I don't, how often I fail to love my wife in the same way I love myself how often all the vows, which I get to stand there and lead other people through their own vows, and how often those promises, those vows are skipped over, ignored. And I'll just dive into it now, okay, because we'll, we'll get there. If you skip ahead with me. We'll come back. I'm in verse 16, most of you probably, if you've been around church before, if you've, you've, you've thought, oh, we're going into Malachi, I even got a few texts on this. "Oh, Malachi, God hates divorce." right And that's what a lot of translations say. I'm not a Bible scholar, but all this and I've done a lot of work for this sermon, probably more than most, all right? True, true confession. Um, I'm more than most of my own, I mean, not mo- other pink people. Um, and the translation is, is, is really easy and pithy. It's easy to say, "Oh yeah, God hates divorce. Cool. But but it's, it's, it's not complete. It's actually too easy and it's dangerous. It's more, the subject in this verse is actually the man or the, tre- the man who acts treacherously toward his wife. What does God hate? God hates the violence that is committed against the marriage that he loves. And, and, and men, um, I trust right now that the Spirit leads, that my words, I, I've been praying that God would guard my, my words, my lips, that, that, and I can't elevate my tone or lower it or whatever to do anything. I'm not trying to manipulate anything, but honestly act like, look at your own heart right now. Listen to the Spirit and consider the question, how or where have you acted treacherously towards your wife God hates divorce is too easy, is too simple. If you, if you walk through every verse, I don't think I have them up here, but every verse that talks about marriage and divorce from, and I'll just go through them right now. If you're taking notes, you want to go back, you want to challenge me on this. It's God hates divorce is too easy. All right. And, and, and you hear me, you can't hide behind religion and continue to abuse or act treacherously and think as long as you don't get a certificate of divorce, God's cool with that. What a low view of God. Okay, as we walked in Deuteronomy chapter 24, in Matthew 19, when Jesus is is translating or quoting Deuteronomy 24, In Exodus 21, which I already referred to. In Ephesians 5, which is kind of the bookends of what was said earlier in Exodus 21, is now Paul, the Apostle Paul, kind of refers to or references the beautiful picture of covenant love, of covenant faithfulness in Ephesians 5. And then Matthew 5, when Jesus talks about the grounds for divorce and when to give a certificate of divorce. And then 1 Corinthians 7 and 1 Peter 3 Go back with me there to Deuteronomy 24. And you don't need to turn all these places. But in Deuteronomy 24, God gives grounds for when divorce can happen. And then Jesus is challenged by the Pharisees. And I would say probably like many of us who are prone or tempted to want to live by the law, to put God in a box and say, well, as long as I don't do this or this, and I'm good. And they ask him, and this is where Jesus quotes and says, well, God hates divorce. But why why does he permit divorce in the first place? He says, it's because of your hard hearts. The big picture, all those scriptures I just mentioned, I implore you to read for yourself. The big idea all throughout is this. God loves marriage. He loves it. It's his. It's his beautiful gift. It's his beautiful design for husband and wife and offspring and family and broader family and community and the world at large. He loves marriage and he loves it so much that he hates whatever is abusing it, whatever is treacherous, whatever is faithless, whatever is tearing it down. And in all those He is fiercely committed to protecting the most vulnerable. And so when God gives an out, it's because there are, all throughout scripture, it's because there are vulnerable women who are living under abusive relationships. And just like in our day, People hiding behind religion, saying, well, at least I don't do this, at least I don't, well, according to Jesus in M- M- Matthew 5, I, I haven't committed adultery, and I haven't been abandoned by an unbeliever, therefore, you know, um, I guess we, we have to stay together. And Jesus in that whole time, he's talking about an even greater kingdom ethic. He, you, we can't go down this road right now, but he talks about, when he talks about um, adultery or sexual immor- immorality, he uses the word pornea, which is much bigger and much broader. And throughout that whole thing, Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes or the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's showing, listen, you now have the spirit of God living within you. All right? You don't judge how well you loved your neighbor that day on whether or not you murdered somebody. Right? I mean, hopefully, no one in here looks through that grid, right? And that, in that same section in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, listen, do you, are you loving your neighbor? Or are you being transformed into the image of Christ? And consider how you relate with others. Is there anger in your heart, right? When you're in traffic, in getting mistreated or misspoken to or disrespected and some at the grocery store or wherever it is, what, what's going on in your heart? Not have you physically murdered someone or not. And the same applies here when Jesus is talking about divorce and I've sadly seen people hide behind that verse before. Well, I didn't commit adultery and, she, you know, and try to do like gymnastics. Can God's spirit cuts through the heart? Okay, divides and reveals hopefully truth from treachery. And the question is when God looks at your heart, what does he see? Is he pleased with it? Or is there treacherous behavior that he hates? Again, to help this hit home, consider with me this idea that those who just think, oh, well, God doesn't really care about the vows I made he doesn't really care about how I treat if I sit there like a you know lump on a log on a couch potato and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm we're sleeping in different rooms and we you know and I'm I'm using all of our finances and all our bank account and I'm I'm doing whatever it is treacherous behavior faithless behavior and again hear me it's not just all the bad things that are doing the abuse according to scripture is not just you know laying hands on or slandering with your tongue or physical it's also It's also sins of omission. It's failing to uphold the covenant that you promised you would. It's failing to love and protect and provide for. Okay, two things that I'm not saying right now. Because we have a younger congregation, I also want to make sure of this. This isn't saying you have an easy out to divorce when when life gets hard, when marriage gets hard. Okay, I, I trust that even seems like really simplistic to even have to say, but I also know that we tend to, right? We all like sheep have gone astray, each one to our own way. Like we're looking to make it to find outs and stuff. No, marriage is hard. Amen? It's 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 challenging, it's difficult, it's not always the best or the easiest route. So this is not in all there. Does God hate divorce? Yes, but why? because it's an affront on the marriage that he loves. Okay, so, so this isn't, oh, just go and get a divorce. It's easy. It's, you know, no big deal if, if it's hard. No. It's also not this. I want to say because I can see and probably expect people to kind of tune out because it's like, why are you only talking to the men? It takes two to tango, right? Women are, can be culprits too. And women um, in here, do I, like, I, I doubt any one of you would try to make an argument between, oh, I never act treacherously. I never act faithlessly. All right, now men, back to, hopefully you hear those chuckles and acknowledge, right? Like, that's a straw, that's a, that's a straw man argument. All right, that's, that, no, um, this isn't always popular, but our complementarian, as we talk, we'll talk about that in a couple months again, um, as we die, as we hold that, this is where I think it really, I think the beauty and the tragedy comes into reality. Is when, I can't think of a better term, when the crap hits the fan, right? When, when the marriage blows up, when the first marriage in Genesis chapter three blew up, what did God say first? First words out of his mouth, Adam, where are you? I truly believe this to my very core. When marriage falls apart, according to scripture, at some level, there's a treacherous, faithless behavior coming from a man. Does that mean that a wife who commits adultery or leaves her husband or whatever never happens, or that that's, or that that's, or or is abusive, whether physically or verbally or whatever it might be, oh, that never happens? No, no, no. I'm not saying that, or can't be held accountable or whatever, but at some level, Right Again, Ephesians 5, if husbands are loving our wives in the same way that Jesus loves the church, pursuing, self-sacrificing, even to the point of death, even to the point of humiliation, even to the point of shame, even to the point of not getting the respect that you deserve, well, when that happens, far more often than not, there's a response that I would say is not treacherous, is not faithlessness, is not abandonment. But the response is love, honor, respect. Okay, and that's the picture we see in Ephesians 5. And again, just to help this hit, hit home, I think I went to say it earlier, but I'm all over the place right now. Um, imagine this, if the, if the whole goal, if, if it's as simple as, well, God hates divorce, so don't get divorced what would it look like for someone who's dead for us to treat them as though they're not actually dead until they have a certificate of death, right? Until they're pronounced like, and sadly, some of us in this room have been with a loved one or with someone when they breathed their last and it's tragic and it's sad and it's final and it's real. The same is true for marriages and relationships that are dead, whether or not there's a certificate to say so or not. And so the call-out, the conviction for us this morning is where are you and I, especially men, where are you perpetuating a dead marriage through treacherous, faithless behavior? Where are you abandoning the wife of your youth? Again, men, hear me. I love you. I love us. God loves us too much to give us just ear candy and try to skip over the treachery of our hearts. So, what do we do with this? There's a call to repentance, ultimately, there's the beauty of marriage. The tragedy of faithlessness. And then the call to repentance. So what do we do with repentance? Right now, look here. Look at the cross. Again, this is for everyone in here this morning. When we look at the cross, we see a couple things. First and foremost, we see, thank God, he is not like us. We see a God who is not treacherous, who is not faithless who is not reactive, but instead is pursuing. We see a God who gives hope where otherwise there would be hopelessness. So again, anyone in here who's experienced divorce, who's walking through brokenness, tragedy, difficulty right now, I I, I pray that you see the hope that God himself came and lived in our broken world, was rejected, was disrespected, was shamed, and he gave himself on the cross He experienced brokenness from God the Father and said, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I can ultimately experience final, full, unwavering reconciliation with God. Okay, whatever we experience and we do to ourselves, we do to each other, whatever kind of treachery, that's not the ultimate definition. Okay, God's promise to you is that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And then, though, secondly, when we look at the cross, we see the horrific reality of our treacherous behavior, of our faithlessness. And again, men, specifically for us, right now, look at the cross and consider, what have you done? What do you continue to do? What is our treacherous, faithless behavior that necessitated Jesus dying on the cross? where have you been faithless? Where have you not lived up to the covenant promise that you made? Where are you saying, well, I'm not committing adultery. I've never committed adultery. I've never had an affair. But where you find love, where you find satisfaction is everywhere other than the wife of your youth. So right now, church, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, before I close in prayer, um, and, and, um, and Tina leads us through a time of response. I'm going to just lead us into a time of silence. So right now, come before the cross and silently listen to the Spirit. Where is He calling you to repentance? Heavenly Father, we come before you individually and as a people, communally. Lord, I pray that we are all in your hands. Lord, you know the thoughts of our hearts, the, the thoughts of our minds. Lord, you know where we're at. And I pray that we would all be led to repentance. or that your spirit would lead us to see your faithfulness and then from there to confess our, faithful, our faithlessness and our desperate need for your grace and your provision in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.